Welcome to the Shelf Impactors podcast. Thank you so much for your time today. I know you're the other side of the world. Thank you for being on the show. You're someone that I found through a mutual friend of ours, Christo. You're an amazing brand strategist that lives overseas in Europe, but works globally with different clients. I would love you to tell the people listening a little bit more about you because I know you've had a bit of a story and a journey. How did you become a brand strategist? What has your journey been like so far? Tell me a little bit. Okay. Hi, and uh, thank you, first of all, for the warm uh, warm welcome. Uh, I'm Annelie, and I'm based out of Sweden. I'm 49 years old, and I've been in this industry since 98. So it's been a couple of years. Uh, so my background is basically, I started as a PR consultant, uh, then into advertising, uh, kind of was kind of fed up with advertising and I still don't like it to be honest so then I was like maybe I maybe I should start a branding studio because I was much more interested in branding so I meet this woman who actually don't have an advertising background she's actually a graphic designer who specialized in brand identity design I'm like this is perfect for me because then I can do the more business kind of consulting side and she can do brand identity design. So I already saw that combination. So we started our common business, um, our branding studio 2005. And from the first day, we start offering brand strategy and brand identity design. So that's where I started out. Yeah. What was your original studio called? Did it have a name? Yeah, it was called Cayenne, Cayenne ah. Design. It was a struggle from start because we didn't realize that Porsche just launched a car named Cayenne. So they were a little bit hesitant to actually say okay to that. So that was that was our first. And we were kind of, you know, kind of small clients, a lot of organizations, very like local, or I mean, local in Sweden. Um, but it was just an amazing journey to actually not work so much with advertising, but see how can you build a brand in all touch points I got also really, really engaged in uh, industrial designers and how you can develop product that actually sell an experience. So I think I was a little, I don't want to say I was ahead of my time, but I do think I was early because 2005, not so many branding studios was actually offering brand strategy. Yeah, it's fascinating, isn't it? I talked to so many people and I did advertising for two years myself. And when this is not for me, it's it's a quick sell solution and it's a bit of a tension point, right? Because I think people in the brand world and I, I maybe that's why I connected you or, or the reason I found you is that I love brand. I love creating something that people will in some way can feel connected and belong to and how that shapes or how they belong to it. Whereas advertising and I even with marketing and it's funny because brand needs marketing. But there's a real passion point within brand. And, and that's what I get from you. Obviously, you obviously did jump on it early because advertising agents are now having to do brand experience because it's not yeah, just an ad. And, and you know, I think uh, this is also why I have a little bit different approach to marketing because I'm a marketing strategist from start. And when I started marketing strategy back in the days, we were, you know, there was like Philip Kotler and... Uh, Porter and, you know, Al Reese and all those like old school books, but they're still, they're still, you know, interesting today because you can always track everything people write about nowadays. It always goes back to those like and fathers of branding or marketing. So 
I think for me, marketing has always been a very strategic thing. It's not advertising. Marketing and advertising are not the same thing. Marketing for me is to be able to, like I'm a visual person, so I'm thinking about it as I, I listen, I put my ear to the market and I listen what the market needs. And then I know my vision and my vision as a company, what we want to accomplish. And then we try to find the right fit in the market. We're actually interested in what we want to accomplish. And that just becomes a really nice relationship where the customer is always in the center of knowing what they need and want so they can help us to develop products. That's marketing for me. That's so much more strategic than advertising. So advertising is just one of the P, which is promotion, but it's just one of that promotion P too. So I think sometimes people misunderstand marketing and talk about tactics. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for totally. And how do you find, so obviously you're a visual person, but you've ma- managed to find the right people to connect with. Because I think I always talk about like design design and strategy. They need to kind of sync together, right? It's like the magic and the logic come together to make it happen. How have you gone about finding the right people? You're obviously really smart. You're really good at telling people what the brand is. How do you find the people to bring it to life? Because you obviously have a set way that you want it. You can vision it. Yeah. Have you just been lucky? <laughs> No, I think that I always seen myself as a creative. I always seen myself as a designer, but I'm not a graphic designer. That's just two different things for me. I always, maybe almost being like the creative director and people confused because they're like, but you're supposed to like Excel sheets and reports. I'm like, no, I have an allergic reaction to that. I don't even, I, I didn't hardly didn't make school, you know, I'm not an academic. I'm very much a street smart person who started, you know, who left home when I was 17. And I just worked my way up. And I love thinking in creative solutions and I love people, you know. So for me, it's never been like that I'm not a creative, I'm not a designer. So even when I started in school, when I went back and wanted to study design thinking and, you know, innovation. It was me and 29 graphic designers, creative directors, or whatever they were, but they were creative people, uh, like creative people, you know, like designers. But I'm like, I'm also a designer. I just design businesses. I design business models. I design um, uh, experiences, products, services. It's just that I don't do the work in front of the computer. So when I worked with the graphic designer, we had the agency together. We started with brand strategy, both of us. I was just leading the first part. Then we did all the the work together, the creative thinking and the concepts and everything until we had everything, all ideas in place, basically, and sketches and everything. Then she she took over, so to say, and be like did everything in front of the computer. But that was basically like twenty percent of the yeah. work. I love that. I love that you've kind of put that people wearing the different hats and not putting yourself in the this is what I am, this is what I do. Because I have also like I've worked with lots of different strategists and I I love the way that you've described it. It's this constant journey that you both go on together and that you're creating it as well as thinking about it. I also love that you hate Excel spreadsheets and that you hate all of those functional things. 
but you, that you you're obviously really good and you can tell me I'd love you to tell me a bit more about your process of doing that strategy but you're obviously really good at seeing those little insights the little nuances of people or of what they say or the way they react and bringing that in because I think you must see things differently and that's what makes you so unique about what you do yeah there's a process but there's you in that process um can you tell me a little bit more about your process how do you approach it someone comes to you I need a new brand strategy what would how do you start where do you go yeah, I mean, I, I would say uh, I actually had to deconstruct my whole process of creating a framework when I wanted to start teaching because I'm like, I can't teach from my kind of way of doing it because I approach a problem and I def- like I I discover the problem together with the client and then from my experience, I can lean into guiding them to a solution. But then I realized this doesn't work unless you have like 20 years experience. Like, how can you even give advice if you don't know? You don't know what you don't know, right? So I'm thinking like, let's do just a framework that is very much step by step, like baking a cake. Because when you're starting out, and this is something I learned like recently by from Chris, though, was like, there's a concept called shuhari. I think it's called shuhari if I don't butcher it from Japan. And it's like, basically, you learn from the master first, and you're supposed to copy before you know what you do. I think this is what's difficult for a lot of creatives, because you want to create your own framework. And I'm like, please don't do it from start, because it would be like making pancakes the first time, and just wing it doesn't really work, you know, and we have a responsibility for the client too. I'm like, so why why not just follow a framework until you actually know what you're doing, the client feels safe, you know that you can deliver what you promise, and then for all mean, start designing your own framework that really fits you. So I did this like framework, which I call the 6P. Uh, the basic of that is in my brand strategy fundamentals for the future, but that's like an introduction course. So it's basically we start from the inside because I think it's really important to know yourself before you start marketing yourself. So you need to know like the the vision, what you want to accomplish, accomplish as a brand and as a company, uh, what your mission is, how are you going to do this? And then we also look into like the founder story and the purpose because there you, we can find the stories that we can tell later. So, and then we talk about uh, the values, of course. And if it's a bigger company, it's a lot about the company culture because everything, everything starts there. And then we go into personality because that's the extension of the values. So we need to have something that actually stands out. So we can look at you know, ads from Oatly or someone, Patagonia, we like, and we're like, oh, we really like those ads. But then it's like, so why do they actually write what they do? Why do they look the way they do? Yeah, because they have a clear purpose, a clear mission, a really clear defined personality, and they know who they talk to. So the reason why they're so good is because they have a really solid brand strategy. So so that's kind of basically we start there. Then we look out. What is the market we're at? We need to have a very defined market and then kind of even niche that down to, I want to see like a person in front of you. Like, so I, we draft this one to three personas. 
that we, and then I start doing research. And this is what separates me a little bit from others, because I truly believe that the brand is centered around the customers. And if we don't know what the customer actually, how they perceive the brand, how can we then shape the brand, which is basically what we do in branding? So we need to know and not guess. So we lead with with research, and then we look into the insights we get from that. We look at competitors. I do a SWOT analysis. I also look at big trends in the market. And all of that kind of boils down to the most essence of a brand strategy, which is the positioning. And when we know that, then we know how we are different from others, how we will stand out. And then we create the plan, which is the roadmap, because no plan, no strategy. I mean, we otherwise it's more of an identity, a brand platform, but we also need a plan. How are we going to win the heart of the customers? So in this plan is like the roadmap. And I often do like a one year kind of plan, not in detail, but big directions so they actually know where we're heading and they can take action on it the day after I leave them so they're not stuck there with like a strategy document and they don't know what to do. So that's kind of... No, I, 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 yeah. And I think, look, we've all had those clients that come to you and they go, you go, who do you want to appeal to? And they're like, everyone, we want everyone to be our client. And you're like, well, wait a minute, we need to start somewhere. But then also to your point, like you can leave them with a brand platform and a who, what's and why, but how they activate it, you know, like you're, you're trusting that someone understands a document. I love that you do the roadmap and you kind of go like, all right, this is where you go. And I imagine you've probably worked with, do you have a specific type of business? Um, but I guess you work with companies big and small, and there are challenges that come with different ones. Are there certain types of companies you go for? I mean, I know you mentioned there Oatly and Patagonia. They're the brands we love. We'd love to work with, right? Because they're, you know, they're purposeful brands. And sometimes getting to that, what makes someone different, is the hard bit. That's why they hire you. But are there certain types of niches that you have, or companies that you've enjoyed working with specifically? Yeah, I would say that. First of all, I don't do so much client work anymore. Since three years, I basically focus on teaching and coaching. I just can't stay away. So recently, I actually did do some client work. I also bring in real clients in all my teaching. So I meet people all the time. I try all my things on real clients. So so it's not that I'm like isolate myself from clients. But yeah, I've been very much in food and beverage. Um. I mean, that kind of basically started out with Coca-Cola and then it just continued. And lately, like since uh, whatever it is, maybe 2015, 16, I had the pleasure to work with a project for European Union, go in and finance a lot of startups in Sweden. You know, Oatly is actually Swedish. Yeah, so so it's a lot of, yeah, so it's a lot of like, baby like small sisters baby sisters and uh, and kind of brothers to to uh, Oatly a lot of them are inspired by Oatly there's a big focus on sustainability and also on um I would say vegan brands actually in Sweden too so I had the pleasure to work with over 70 uh startups like that because they, I was hired as a uh what do you call it like um head teacher for a program for, I think it was five or six years. So we actually got to coach and teach 
so many of them. So I think that would be awesome. So I've been also working with the really big ones. Like, you know, I was a CMO and CBO at Landmannen, which is Europe's, you know, biggest company when it comes to food and agriculture. So we're like 15,000 employees. So I have that experience with a lot of food brands too. Uh, and also Lidl, which is a European uh, big brand. Yeah. So as I work with the big corporates, but I kind of like those, you know, small challengers where you can talk with the founder, the CEO, you can like challenge them, be like, you know, their guide. Yeah, that's that, that's amazing. And I think I work in food and beverage. We do so much food and beverage in the industry I'm in too. And it's it's such a quickly moving category, I think, unless you and, and and there was the rise of the challenger brands i remember when i worked back in england five years ago and we released the first the uk's first pea milk so similar to your oatly but the whole like initially you're like oh it's another dairy-free milk and then someone goes but it's actually made with peas and you're like oh this is different and there's all of those challenges and fights in your head but as as something that's like all of the nutritional things and you kind of get to the core of it working with the people who created that product as you would have done with so many you're like no you guys really believe in what you do and so they think the challenger brands are great to find that something that makes them unique And, and I guess that's why you're so you must be super passionate about all of the consumer trends and macro trends as well there's you know to your point there's veganism there's sustainability now there's different things that people are getting more into biohacking and nootropics and there's all of these kind of cool and fun things coming up and then on top layered on top of that you've got economic crises i mean we work with food brands here and it's all about how can we save people money but to your point like you have to define who you are and what you stand for first what a beautiful experience that you've had so what what made you move from doing that directly to teaching what kind where did you pivot to go i want to teach more than more than work directly with clients yeah, you know, I think that pivot started basically when I was actually teaching and coaching those startups because I realized how fun I really thought it was. And when you work for a really big corporate, you have you have the really big budget, you know, you can do all this research, you have all this data. And and now people, of course, because we got rewarded number one sustainable brand in Sweden two times. So people started to notice that work, you know, and then people reached out because they didn't have the resources, but they wanted to hear the experience. So I just enjoyed helping as many as possible, you know, and I always been a little bit for the underdogs. So, uh, but then I was like, I just have one challenge. Like I really had one big challenge. And that was, I often got questions if I wanted to help startups that actually was speaking English. Because a lot of the startup scene is in Stockholm is everything is in English. And I just had this big fear. I couldn't even go to a sushi restaurant and order in English. I was I don't know what happened. I, I knew how to speak English. I even been in, you know, working in Chicago for six months when I was 18. I just had this hang up and huge imposter syndrome. So I was like, what the hell is going on with me? Like, why, why can everyone else do this? And I can't, like, I really limit myself. So one day when I was planning actually to do a talk in Sweden uh, about this journey of Lantmanen, uh, I was just, I needed inspiration and I'm looking at YouTube, which I never did because I'm like, it's just for kids. <laughs> Uh, and there I saw this like bold Asian guy and some other uh, guy who was talking a lot. I'm like, who are these guys? But I started to listen and I was like, that bold guy, 
Like, oh my God, he almost sounds like me, but he just have a very different personality. I got kind of fascinated by them. So I started to, I continued to listen and then got this crazy idea. Why not join? It seems like he have a community. I had no idea who they were, like no idea. And no one else I knew knew who they were. So I was like, okay, I just tried out, you know? So I joined the Future Pro Group 2019 and I was terrified. I didn't want to speak English. I didn't say, and I'm super extroverted, as you can tell. And I love talking. And I didn't say anything in like three months, which was like so good for me because then I realized how it is to be shy. You know, so I just observed people for three months. And the first time Chris actually talked to me, I left the call because I got like an excited <laughs> oh. attack. I was like, it's oh my like, God, don't look at me. Don't look at me. It's like an, an industry crush. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I couldn't like, I couldn't translate fast enough. Like I didn't care so much about him. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't like that I was, oh, because I didn't even know the, really who he was. No, you were just in the spotlight. And I guess to you, yeah, it, was it was like. Yeah, because I needed Google Translate and I couldn't translate fast enough if he was talking to me, you know, so I panicked and I left the call. So long story short, that was the beginning Six months later, I had my own subgroup in the group with over 100 people. Yeah, and then the pandemic hit, unexpected for all of us. Yeah, I think a lot of people found Christo during the pandemic. I think that's probably when I found him. I was doing kind of a bit of direct work to clients. And to your point, like I just stumbled across a YouTube video and then I found the future podcast. And I just started listening to all this stuff going, it's not too late. You can do whatever you want to do. And, and, and I, I never, this podcast I set up because I was terrified of speaking out loud. And it was a friend of mine who set it up and interviewed me. And then over time, now I'm the one interviewing the guests. But it was because I was shy and I was quiet and I didn't want to say boo to a goose, but you have to grow into your voice, right? You, you have a voice. Yeah. You speak amazing English and you clearly have some really strong, beautiful opinions that the world needs to hear. <laughs> Thank you. But you know what? I can tell a really short story if you want to hear, which is like, because pe so, so people can really understand that this is not like a fake or a constructed thing that I made up after. This is that this was my reality. So I'm in this, I, I tell Chris and uh, Mo and whoever it was in the group that I would love to do this uh, subgroup for brand strategy because I think I have a lot to offer and maybe people want to learn. Uh, and they're like, okay, great. We're actually going to have a call tomorrow where everyone is going to pitch their subgroups. So we'll see if people are interested to join. So if you want to, you can just pitch your idea in like a minute or what it was, 30 seconds. And then we go to breakout rooms and then we see if people show up and want more information. I was like, oh my God, so scary. But it's good because I can actually write it down and read it, you know? So I did. So I showed up. I was reading it out loud, super nervous. I was sent to a breakout room and no one showed up. And I just feel, you know, my, I almost start crying. And I was like, oh my God, this is so, oh, sorry. For, sorry. This is, this is so embarrassing. Like, who do I think I am? Like showing up here and like, come and join my subgroup. People don't even know me, you know? So I was there feeling devastated. I was so embarrassed. So I just wanted to leave the call. 
And then after a while, one person shows up and I was like, oh my God, thank you for being here. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, I'm so sorry, but it's just you. It feels like I have a birthday party and no one want to come. And she's like, Anneli, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, I'm just, just you here. She's like, there's a chaos like out there. Everyone wants to go into your room. And Chris tried to like manually let people into your room. So one after one, people start showing up. And after a while, it's like 30 people in the room. Then I start to cry about just because of that. You know, I'm like, what happened? So going from this, like, no one wants to be here to a lot of people actually want to hear this. And that was, yeah, it was actually, so that was the starting point. And then when the pandemic hit, I lost 70% of my client work in two weeks. Mm. You know, I don't know how it was for you. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, at the start of the pandemic, yeah, I had no work. I mean, I had my mom over here. I'm in Australia. My, I'm English, obviously. And my mom was here. And I can remember at the start, she got here just before the pandemic and I had work coming in and I was doing direct, I was doing some freelancing work for clients. And then she was here and then all of a sudden there is no work and you have to pay your bills and your rent. And But I mean, it's a catch 22, right? Because you get the time. But then you, you, it brings out the, it brought out the resilience in me. You're like, I have to figure this out. I have to do something. So I think I probably watched more Christo and recorded more podcasts during the start of the pandemic than any other time in my life. And now we can look back and go, it all worked out for the best. It led me to where I am now, but it was tough. Like it was really tough at the start of the pandemic. Yeah. It was. And, and I remember being in bed, um, super depressed. And Chris was actually the one who kind of pushed me a little bit because he was like, you know, I do feel it, but get yourself together now. You actually need to do something. And I was like, yeah, I know. I know. So um, I actually hired a coach and this is like kind of personal, but I don't have kids. And so I never had any break in my career. Like I've been working my entire life. I felt how tired I was, you know, I'm like, I also want to have a break and maybe this is the time to actually prioritize myself. So I asked my my husband, like, is it okay if I really like hire a coach, prioritize myself, really find out what I want to do the rest of my life? Because I was 46, I think, something like that. So um, so I do that and this is so weird, <laughs> but during one of the coaching sessions, I'm kind of on a re really deep conversation. I just out of a sudden see myself from a third person perspective. It's like I'm like zoom, zooming out and I see myself. And I know exactly where I am. And this is so nerdy, but I don't care. I'm outside the X-Men school. Oh, wow. Yeah, 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 cool. <laughs> and I love the X-Men and I'm outside the X-Men school and I just know right away. You know, it's, it's, into, it's my intuition. I'm like, okay, so... There's the mutants. I'm supposed to teach. There are other teachers here. I already met probably a few of them. I know what this is. You know, I know what I'm meant to do. And I get this like, and I'm not, I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. But I grab this pen and I just like write on a piece of paper. I don't even know what I'm writing. So I'm writing something. I look down and there I can read, I help creatives shine. And I knew that that was my message from the universe. That's what I'm supposed to do. And and after that, which was kind of funny. You've made me shiver. You've made me go <laughs> tingly. <laughs> so, and after that, 
I, I was already kind of co-facilitated a little bit with Chris and the calls. So after that, I remember I was on a shoot for a commercial and I'm in, at the hotel room and I talked to Chris about the next coming call. And he's like, what do you think we should talk about? And I was like, I would love you to talk about the X factor. Um, you know, and he's like, okay. So he sends, and before this, I already sent him this picture of the X-Men school, not saying my dream. I was just saying like, do you know what this is? And he said, of course, haha. And then we don't talk about it anymore. So, and I send him this thing and he's like, okay, I'll send you a thumbnail. So you can post it in the pro group, the call. He sent me this thumbnail and I'm like, he better be joking. Like, what is this? It's Chris Doe in a wheelchair as Professor X. And I'm like, what? And I ask him, like, is this a joke? Because, you know, I told about. And he's like, no, I had this made like three, four years ago. Because I always seen myself as Professor X. And then it's like, everything started to come together. And I was like, you know, I do believe some kind of in the universe. And I felt like. I think I'm there for a reason. I just didn't understand what that was before this happened. You know what I mean? And then I just gave myself six months to totally translate, transform my life from going from this, you know, uh, agency owner to actually become a coach and a teacher. So six months, I told all my clients, I will not do client work anymore. I just want to go for this. And in January, then the next year, then I I launched my first workshops with the future and I didn't do any more client work after that. Amazing. And you've just done the tour as well, haven't you? So it's kind of, I guess it's just gone up and up and up. I mean, you're not very well past the tour, but how was it? How was going to different countries? I actually loved, I saw your LinkedIn post where you're like, I've always wanted to travel. And it's kind of, and I guess, look, it's a catch 22, right? You don't have kids. You don't have the responsibilities. The opportunities come. You just have to learn to say yes. And I've noticed from your LinkedIn post now, you're just saying yes, and you're going on this journey. And it's super beautiful. It's inspiring to see it for sure on LinkedIn. How is it going? How, are you enjoying it? Yeah, the thing is that the, Euro, the future Euro tour, when we were traveling in Europe, that was the started with me asking Chris to come to Stockholm. So, and then it kind of became a little bit more cities than that. And then it got into like eight cities in Europe. And then he added Dubai to that too, but I wasn't there. But so that was crazy. 11 workshops, eight cities in Europe. I really wanted, I didn't even think that I was going to be part of traveling. I just did it because I wanted to give back to the community. I wanted Chris to come to Europe and I wanted to help because I felt like he's been doing a lot for me in my life and I wanted to give back. So I wanted to help him to, to organize that. And uh, I didn't have an idea that I was going to travel. But then he was like, I guess you want to follow me. Like, you, I guess you want to go on the tour. I'm like, uh, yeah. But then I also realized this could be a problem because I'm not, I mean, I'm so afraid of flying. And I haven't been in an airplane for like 15 years. So how is this going to work? I can't go around in tra with train because I will miss all the workshops. Yeah, you're going to have to work on your X-Men superpower of the future to teleport yourself between the different exactly. cities. <laughs> exactly. But the thing is, what's so cool with the whole thing is that 
I actually overcame my fear of flying on that tour and my fear of heights. And and now after that, I've been, you know, I, right after I went to London with my niece. Now I've just been to New York, uh, Brussels and London. And I'm not afraid anymore. I even go up in London Eye. You know, I, I went up in Empire State Building and I'm not afraid. That's awesome. That's so good. And I think that is something that we can probably give a nod during this podcast to Chris, because he gives you that momentum, like he has such a good energy. And I think that's probably why you guys click too, is that you want you want to share you, you, your need to give something back and to help is how you've managed to gain that momentum. And I'm, and I'm sure you're amazing when you teach. I think I'd love to join one of your workshops one day or wherever in the world that we managed to connect in real life. Um, but I think, yeah, like it's it's inspiring, right? What you teach to kind of help people overcome. Like one of my things is to encourage people to do to do the things that people told them they couldn't or shouldn't do. Because I think there's so many people out there that have been, no, you can't do that. You shouldn't do that. That's definitely my experience. And so I think the ability to to bring that out of them, like because when you can see things in people that they can't always see in themselves and you can extract it, it's so rewarding. It's so good. Like I have a design team that slowly seeing that each one of them superpowers and then working out how to kind of bring it out like that's amazing so I think sharing your story will definitely encourage people to, for other people to do that yeah and I, I mean I saw I saw two things in creatives and the reason why I wanted to help creatives first of all it I think the story because people are always like oh how did you end up doing so many things with Chris and you know but the thing is I never wanted that from start I never asked for it I I suggested him to have a woman, like a female voice. He suggested me to be that voice. And I was like, what? He invited me to Clubhouse to start doing that. Uh, I wanted to give back. I wanted to help. I wanted to help as many people as possible. Now, I didn't have an, an, a plan yeah. for this to happen. <laughs> Which is I strange because you're, you're a strategist, but you didn't have your own plan. <laughs> No, but I had a plan for developing my my agency. That's what I wanted to do. But I think this let's happen. And I think I saw two things why I like working with creatives. I also coach CEOs and CMOs, but I I love working with creatives for two reasons. One is that I always, when I have been on that level, when you hire agencies and creatives, it's never the the creative people who are in the strategic decisions like they're never at they never have a place at the table and i don't like that because that divergent thinking and now i'm talking about creative people like not just uh, that you're actually uh, is good with indesign i mean talking about like creative thinkers i think there's a like a divergent approach to problem solving that is a totally different thing than a lot of people study in school. So there's like a dominance by people who study finance or marketing strategy. But the creative problem solving, it needs to be there today because we have so many problems in the world and we can't solve them the same way we actually created them. So creatives need to have a place at the table. So that's one thing. The other thing is that I just want people to get paid for their thinking. Like I get sad when I see people give away all their thinking and then they don't, they don't realize that we call that strategy. They include it in their work. 
Uh, and and third is I'm like the best, the extroverted best friend. You know, I love networking. I love helping people get out in the spotlight. And and if I can help people do that, to go from the shadow out in the spotlight, the way I actually had to do when I started to be this new identity speaking English, you know, I had to start over in a way. So I know how it feels. So Chris came up with this two-word brand for me, was which is attention broker, which I like because it's attention broker, which is actually did also when you're being told that you're too much, hold back, don't think you're something special. And that's very much my culture. So now I'm really trying to use my, I know how to get attention. And now I can help other people shine and be in the spotlight and share the spotlight with them. And so there's so many reasons why I love working with creatives. That's beautiful. That's awesome. Um, and look, I'm conscious that you've got a bit of a cough, so I won't keep you talking too much longer. And I've really, I've just loved enjoying and hearing your story and connecting with you. You obviously have a, um, you, people can find you on the future, but I'll include at the end of the show, all of the links. I'll include all of the links. So your um, publicist shared me all of the links. So I'll put those in the show notes at the end of each thing. As to, but where would you prefer people to contact you? You're obviously on Instagram, LinkedIn, and all of these spaces. How do we get hold of you? Uh, I'm an author and I have my brand, Strategy Fundamentals. I also do some uh, one-on-one coaching uh, with them. Um, But uh, otherwise, I have my own community uh, and I also have my own courses and everything is uh, on annelihansen.com. I'll drop that in the show notes as well. Um, had a look at it today. Um, so yes, definitely everyone who is listening, you should connect with Annalie. You can find her website. Um, we'll drop it in the show notes for Apple and Spotify, which is where you'll find the podcast. Um, and obviously, um, I mean, look, I desperately DM'd you on LinkedIn so people can also find you for all of those channels as well. I'm most active on Instagram and on LinkedIn. So people are, you're welcome to reach out to me. I try to answer all people's DM. I love engaged. Every time I post, I'm active at least an hour after just to engage with people. And so, you know, I'm happy if you want to reach out on Instagram or LinkedIn. Um, I'm also starting a YouTube channel in the beginning of next year and a podcast. So I'm very excited about that. So there's a lot of things going on. I'm also looking forward to do a lot of public speaking and you know, just workshops uh, all around the world. So there's, it's my personal brand. And I talk about brand strategy, of course. And a new topic for me, which I think is very interesting, is like human branding in a world of AI, um, because I think we need to be human more than ever. And I also look into doing more things about personal branding. So people are really welcome to just reach out to me. And um, yeah. I'm just grateful for being here also. Thank you so much, Lisa. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. No, I think you've been amazing. Um, like I said, I followed you for a while now. I love your posts. I love your journey. I love that you're starting to do the personal branding in the age of AI. It's a really interesting thing for people are debating right now. It's a hot topic across the industry, right? But, you know, there are a lot of people who can do the technical stuff that you or I do, but actually not everyone is you. And I think definitely from meeting you today, people buy into people, 
And I think people will and should buy into you. You're amazing. Thank you very much for being on the show. I appreciate it. I know you've been a little bit sick today, so I appreciate you making the effort to get up and come on. Thank you. Oh, thank you so, so much.